smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Benyera, beautifully done, sensational. Hello and welcome along to a very special end-of-season edition of Le Bourgeois. As heroic Lille pip Paris Saint-Germain to the league title, as Monaco edge Lyon out of next season's Champions League and as Nantes finish in the dreaded relegation playoff berth. Thank you for joining us. It has been a fantastic season. I hope you've enjoyed listening throughout to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uberis podcast in association with BT Sport. We are going to be signing off by discussing all of the drama of the final day. And with your help, we'll go through the biggest and the best moments of the season. And to help me to do that, I am delighted to say I have got Robbie Thompson with us. How are you, Robbie? Matthew, I'm very well. Hello, everyone. And uh, yes, what a season it was. Yes, Robbie, who believed until the very end... That PSG were going to get that magical tenth league title of their history. Not that it they wasn't were going to, to, that they could. Well, we all, we, we, but, but I mean, I mean, they could have, <laughs> they could have. It, it was one goal in the end that uh, that did it for for Lille. Um, Andy Scott mm. is with us as well. How are you, Andy? Hi, Mike. Yeah, I'm not bad. Thank you very much. Andy was uh, was commentating PSG on Sunday night, and I'm sure, like Maurizio Pochettino and uh, a lot of the people in the stadium, he was uh, having a little glance to his telephone to see how Lille were getting on. Um, just to remind you of the scenario then before the 10 matches took place simultaneously on Sunday night, Lille led PSG by one point. They led Monaco by three points. They needed a win to make sure they kept their destiny in their own hands. And uh, our good friend Armel Tangi was commentating the action from the Stade Raymond Copper in Angers as Angers played host to Lille. Great turn from Sanchez, poke through for Jonathan David, and Lille take the lead. Nine minutes and 20 seconds on the clock, and Lille's number nine breaks through. And are they on their way to the title? And Burak Yilmaz has the ball between his hands. The king, as he's known. 12 yards from league goal number 16 this campaign. It was his goal in Montpellier. It was him in Lens. Will it be Burak Yilmaz again for Lille? The King has struck once more. And that may be the crowning goal for Lille. 2-0 just before the half-time whistle sounds. And the congratulations are all around. They sense they're heading towards the Liga title. Can they hold on for a 20-second clean sheet, Lille? Dolgini with the header, and Mike Menyot will not be happy about that. Angers pull one back through Angelo Fulgini. Forward it goes once more from Angers, brought down by Mohamed Ali Show. Sumari over the top, and that's it! Lille are champions of France! 2-1 the final score on the evening, and for the first time in ten years, Lille Olympique Sporting Club will lift the title. Well, guys, Armel summing things up very well. Uh, Lille got the job done. And uh, Robbie, in the end, they did it without too many nerves. I mean, they were 2-0 up at, at halftime, weren't they? And that, that goal from Fulgini, it came very, very late. I think Andre had about 20 seconds to, to try to find an equaliser. So um, I wouldn't say a nerveless final day, but... Uh, a fantastic one for for Lille and their supporters. Absolutely, no, they they dealt with it all perfectly, and that that goal from Jonathan David or David, as uh, as the the debate continues, eleven months on, um, really settled all the nerves and set them up for the perfect day. I th- I thought they would get a little bit nervy if it had been scoreless at halftime, that you, they would have started asking the odd question, and Angers would have grown in confidence as well. That's how that's how football works, and that early goal just uh, did everything right. And probably word got through to, to Paris as well and, and was a bit of a, a knock to their morale and Monaco's as well because we saw Monaco could could hardly get out of first gear as well. But for Lille, 
Yeah, perfect afternoon. Perfect afternoon. Fulgini's goal, he looked almost apologetic when he when he pulled one back in the 94th minute. Um, there was no celebrations, and I thought Angers suddenly thought, my goodness, are we uh, about to play a role that we never imagined in all of this as well? Um, full credit to Lille. Over the course of the season, if you win the league, you deserve it. That's my opinion. So they got there by one point. They deserve it by one point. Fabulous season. And uh, we, saw, we saw their strengths Again, their mental strength, their their fortitude, and also their ability to put the ball in the back of the net when it really counts. And that they did it again on Sunday. Andy, how big an achievement is this from from Lille to win their fourth league title? But uh, you know, to pip this Paris Saint Germain team with Neymar, with Mbappe, can you just uh, yeah sum up your feelings about Lille and what they've achieved? Uh, yes, well, I mean, it's 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 an enormous achievement. Obviously, I think at the start of the season, nobody um, really expected that Lille would be the team um, to deny PSG the title. If anybody was going to deny PSG the title, I mean, I, I know that Kylian Mbappe said about ten days ago that if, if PSG um, didn't go on and win the league, they'd only have themselves to blame. And that might sound like um, like it's not very fair on Lille. I think there's an element of truth in that because PSG do have by far the biggest budget and on paper the best players, and ultimately. They didn't deliver in the biggest games of the season, but we'll come back to them in a bit. I think uh, you know the the key point here is that Lille were the team who were there to take advantage of PSG slip ups. They lost three matches all season. They conceded just twenty three goals, which is pretty remarkable. Um, they weren't always you know winning games by big margins, but the the players they brought in last summer ultimately uh, really did a turn for them. You look at Jonathan David; it took him until the midpoint of the season to start scoring goals but then in the second half of the season he's done that regularly he's finished with about 13 goals I think Burak Yilmaz as well and it's an incredible achievement I mean I mean, I, I wrote about this uh, the other day and, and obviously you, um, you you can't take anything away from the players on the pitch but you have to also um, really sort of doff your cap to, to the two men uh, off the pitch who kind of made this possible Christophe Galtier uh, has has done an incredible job at Lille. I mean, he, let's not forget he took charge midway through the 2017-18 season when Lille were in the relegation zone. And um, he led them to safety that season and then second place and then fourth place last season when they might probably finish in the top three had the season gone all the way to the end. And now they've, they've bettered all of that by winning the league. So, I mean, Galtier has done an incredible job. This is a man who probably had he never managed again after Saint-Étienne um, given the job he did there, would still be remembered as one of the best coaches of the last decade. But he's somehow bettered that. And of course, he would admit that the job done by Luis Campos behind the scenes in building the team in the first place has been absolutely vital. And, and it's no coincidence that he was the, the architect of the, the Monaco team that won the league in 2017. And now he's put together this Lille team. So it, it's an incredible achievement by very intelligent men um, real you know experts in their field. And uh, they've got a really good group of players together. And they've not always been spectacular to watch, but they've ground out results when they've needed it. Sunday night was another example of that. And um, it, I think it's just fabulous. I, I think, you know, if, if you turn forward to what's going to happen next, um, it may not necessarily be great from a Lille perspective because I think, you know, we're looking at the possibility that Galtier might leave. Um, a number of players will obviously leave. The stories this morning are of Mike Mignon being on his way to AC Milan. Um, and and this team will probably be broken up, and they will not be a force in the Champions League next season, unfortunately. But but in terms of what they've done this season, it's a fabulous achievement. Andy, you're 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 a killjoy. Let's let's enjoy them winning the league title before we worry about them not 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 doing well in the Champions League next <laughs> no, no, season. I mean, but, no, no, you're, no, you're, you're, I, but, you're right. I'm just I'm just saying that I think I think it's unfortunate that this team will not stay together. But that's the reality. Yeah. Of it. Okay. They, but they, we'll wait. We'll wait and see because they sold Nicola Pepe for for eighty million. They sold Aussie Men for eighty million. They've, they've they've sold a lot of players in the past, and they've done they've done incredibly well. And maybe they will continue to, to do Campos good bu- business. That, that was the that was the the point I was you know getting at. That ultimately he's not there to build the next team. Um, I, I really hope that they do have a a, a real crack at it next season. But um, it does feel like they've kind of reached their um, their high point this season, and and. You know, winning the league is is a pretty good way to do. We'll it. do we'll do the Lille in crisis pod uh, ne- <laughs> next week, Andy. But 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 for now, we're going to enjoy Lille, Lille Lille winning the league title. And I think what you say about Gaultier is is absolutely spot on because if a team, um, you know, owes a lot of its success to to the coach, I think this is very much a a strong example. And we saw Burak Yilmaz talking about it. We've seen the players talking. You know, everybody saying thank you to the coach. He has been 
absolutely unbelievable. And you say he would have been considered a, a great coach anyway for what he's done at Saint-Étienne. But I, I have this feeling, I mean, yes, he would have, but I just think he's not lauded or he's not in demand as much as he should be. I remember interviewing Gautier a couple of years ago and I said to him, you know, do you think if you were Portuguese or, or German, people would look at you differently? And I just think he's, I don't know, he, he's just not sold perhaps as much as he as he should be. And actually, we got an email in from uh, Richard David Pike in Northwest England, who who's a bit perplexed by this uh, as well. He says he's just won the, the, the league untitled. I know he's being strongly linked to Nice, which would be a great coup for Nice, but without being disrespectful, <laughs> why, why, why are big clubs... Uh, other big European clubs, whether it be Tottenham or or even Arsenal, if they if they wanted to replace Arteta, why are they not being linked with him? Um, I would add, Richard, that uh, Napoli are being strongly linked with him. Galtier has said uh, that he's had offers from Nice and Lyon, um, but other clubs as well. He has said that he likes France, so he's hinting that that he would stay in France. Um, Robbie Christophe Galtier. He's just been absolutely phenomenal, and I think at, at Saint Etienne he did a he did a wonderful, wonderful job there. Um, and at Lille, what what he has done deserves so much credit, and yet, uh, you know, outside of France, people are not really talking about him. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's he's well for a long time. He was he was under the radar, wasn't he, with what he was doing at, at Saint Etienne as well? I think because Saint Etienne were never really um, fighting for a title. In France, they were a sleeping giant. There was a lot of nostalgia and a lot of romance associated with with coaching Saint Etienne. But they were never—I mean, they qualified for Europe uh, for there were Europa League campaigns, but it was never really high-flying stuff. And and it has only been at Lille, and particularly this season, where they've led from the front since well, from just before Christmas, where they've where he's been able to catch the eye and and show. But otherwise. Look, we, you can link him to all sorts of big clubs, but big clubs have have. I'm not sure if he's sexy enough in that in that uh, in that publicity in that marketing way. You want a big name? I'm not sure Galtier has that big name yet. Let's not rush it. Let's hope he stays in France for another couple of years. Leon would be great. Leon's a step up from Lille in terms of the institution, in terms of the history and the infrastructure of the club. Nice want to become that club as well. But even if he, if there was to be a Napoli or an Arsenal, that would be continuing on that step up to, to eventually perhaps being one of a, a Champions League contender. But what he has achieved at Lille, particularly this season, when you see the, the, the mix of players he has from all different cultures, his own backroom staff, let's not forget, he lost his assistant coaches at the start of the year as well when they upped and, and, and left for, for English football. He's had to rebuild at every level, consistently for two and a half seasons at Lille. And maybe that's another reason why he wants to leave, because as Andy mentioned, the future is not all a, a, a long, smooth river, as the French would say. It doesn't look, <laughs> like, be, it doesn't look like being that, uh, that fleuve tranquille. And uh, look, I think he, perhaps he wants to be part of a project where he can build long term. He was assistant coach at Lyon to Alain Perrin. He knows that club and what can be achieved there. Um, and probably could be lured into thinking something similar at Nice, I think, because they have big ambitions. But sticking with what he's done this year, absolutely incredible. Incredible, hats off, coach of the year, whatever you like, Lille, team of the year, obviously, champions. There's no, there's nothing more to say. The proof is in what they did on the pitch. Yeah, I, I had the pleasure of uh, of going to Lille yesterday to witness the the celebrations. It was, um, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, uh, pretty wet. Pretty wet all in all, and yet just thousands, tens of thousands of, of supporters all over the town. Um, I'm pleased to say pretty much everybody uh, wearing a mask and yet and yet still just enjoying an incredible party. And after the the year that we've had, you know, I have to say it, it, it did it did feel special and it just felt so good to see so many people so happy. And um, yeah, Lille, Lille have made a lot of people happy. They're they're a big city. Um, in the past, they've not necessarily been in the shadows of Lens. They've they've won more league titles than Lens than Lens, but um, uh, Lens do have a, a fantastic backing. But you can see that Lille, as well, are a, you know a, a very popular football club, and they have been very very well run in in recent times. Andy, if we if we go back yeah. to the to the football pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, the heroes in that in that Lille team. I mean, it is a, it it is very much a, a collective effort. It has been, you know, the goalkeeper's been amazing. Um, 
the 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 four four two that Galtier plays, you can't even say it's just ten players because um, you know he chops and changes the midfield and and, and the attack quite a lot. But I mean, we're going to talk about Menyon, we're going to talk about Jose Font, Sven Botman, Benjamin Andre, and Burak Yilmaz. They're 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 the spine. If you had to single out one man, who would who would your hero be in that Lille team? Um, well. Well, if I had to single out one man, it'd be Burak Yilmaz because uh, he's been the man who's who's struck me, um, you know, in in the whole league this season. I know he didn't win the league on Player of the Year prize because um, Kylian Mbappe remains on on a, an extremely high level. But Burak Yilmaz, let's not forget, this is a guy who probably a lot of people who hadn't been closely following the Turkish league um, didn't know a huge amount about. Um, you know, a guy who's in his mid thirties, coming to the end of his career, and. Um, he was effectively signed to replace Loic Remy uh, as as the sort of backup. You know, Loic Remy was was the foil to Victor Ozimhen last season. Jonathan David was brought in as the the big money replacement for Ozimhen, and Burak Yilmaz was was brought in to to support him. And um, ultimately, Yilmaz has, has gone on to be the the real superstar. He might not have been a prolific goal scorer, but his attitude, the way in which he carries himself on the field, he's got this real. Uh, edge to his game. He likes to take it to the defenders a bit like Zlatan Ibrahimovic did in his time in French football. Um, I think he's be, just been exceptional. And for a guy in his mid-30s to still be playing at that level is really quite something. Um, obviously, he scored the, the 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 penalty against Angers on Sunday night, which ultimately with Angers scoring that late goal, it proved to be the decisive goal on the night in the final game of the season. And there was something quite apt about that. I mean, he has just been um, a real joy to watch, but there are there's so many other uh, candidates in that Lille side from from back to front who who could be mentioned. I mean, Sven Botman would be the other um, obvious candidate for me. Another player who came in last summer from Ajax, another player who had big boots to fill because he was replacing Gabriel, the the Brazilian, who of course you know Matt was sold to Arsenal, and and he's done a terrific job alongside uh, Jose Font in that defence. Jose Font is another one, but I'm going to go for Burak Yilmaz because uh, he he surprised me. And um, he scored some big goals, and and he's just been fantastic. Well, yeah, I can tell you from having from having walked the streets of Lille yesterday, Burak is uh, certainly the name you see most on the Lille shirts, and he was getting a lot of uh, a lot of love, a lot the of crowd. songs. Um, the crowd, yeah, the, the 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 king. Robbie, question I want to put to you, um, and you know we're not going to be trying to rub rub your nose in it today. That's that's not the um, the aim of this podcast. But um, <laughs> for for Lille players. Um, learn their trade at Paris Saint-Germain. Jonathan Iconi, Mike Maignan, Boubacari Sumare, and Timothy Weir. Um, does that give PSG food for thought? Does that um, does that annoy people, or is it just nice to see some uh, some Titi Parisien as they're as they're known winning, winning the league title, even if it's elsewhere? Yeah, I think I think uh, the Paris Saint-Germain youth academy is very proud of what those players have gone on to achieve. It's a it's a dangerous argument always talking about the the players that got away because the players, if they were at Paris Saint-Germain, they're, I mean, you can't rewrite history. You can't say what if, what if. Would Jonathan Iconi really have, have come on the way he has come on after a spell at Montpellier and then Lille where, he, where he's grown in confidence, where he's a full France international now? Would that, was Paris the right setting for him to do that? Same for Mike, Mike Mignon, perhaps Mike Mignon. Is is emerging as one who could be considered a regret after the 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 various goalkeepers that failed to impose themselves before Kaylor Navas in goal for Paris Saint Germain. But again, Mike Menon never played a senior game for for Paris Saint Germain. Um, I knew Mike back in the the 2013-14-15 seasons, up to 15-16, I think. Fantastic, quiet guy, hard worker. Um, fantastic with the kids coming through the academy, a real role model. And we've seen that now. He's he's grown in stature at the back. But Timothy Weyer, um, I mean, was who was he going to replace in the in the front line for Paris Saint-Germain? Sumare as well, left very early. Um, you, you know, I think everyone at Paris Saint-Germain has no regrets that these players have gone on to enjoy great success. And I think it's, and honestly, and I, I say this honestly, I think there's a lot of goodwill to to players that come through the ranks and go on. And, and maybe Paris Saint-Germain in the end wasn't the right fit for them. Maybe they've gone on to have a fantastic career at Lille and maybe AC Milan will be next. And, and who knows, Arsenal or uh, other clubs uh, will, will enjoy the benefits of the Paris Saint-Germain Youth Academy. No, no hard feelings whatsoever. It's, it's extremely generous of Paris Saint-Germain to be here. Yeah. Be providing us with so many footballers, so many top <laughs> footballers. No, but I, you know, I think it's fair enough. A lot of these players, it's hard to see 
how they would have got game time at, at, at PSG. PSG do produce so much phenomenal talent. But, you know, I also think it is something that, that perhaps, you know, they need to look, look into and look to try to make room a little bit more for these, for these younger players. We, we're going to talk a bit about PSG. Andy Scott commentated their game against mm-hmm. Brest on Sunday night. Obviously, the circumstances were a little bit uh, particular because they, uh, they were, um, you know, aware of what was going on at Lille and the fact that Lille went 2-0 up. Here's how they got on, though. Uh, Brest versus Paris Saint-Germain, a very rainy uh, Stade Francis Leblay, Andy Scott commentating. Neymar from the spot then against Gutierrez Larsenar, the trademark stuttering run up from the Brazilian, and he's put the penalty wide incredibly. The nonchalance of Neymar this time, it does not pay off. Di Maria's corner, it's an awkward one for the goalkeeper, it's gone in in bizarre fashion and the Paris Saint-Germain players come across to celebrate with Angel Di Maria and this could be the chance for the second goal this time turned in by Mbappe the Brest defenders look to the referee hopefully but Kylian Mbappe gratefully turning that ball into the net the player of the year in Ligue 1 the top goal scorer Adding to his statistics once again. So Andy, PSG, uh, like I say, got the got the job done, but you know, no no celebrations, obviously, at the final whistle. No, not at all. To be honest, it was it was not a great game. Uh, the the PSG game. There was never really any intensity in it. You never really got the feeling that PSG thought, right, we're going out, we're going to win this game, we're going to win the league tonight. Uh, it was almost as though they were kind of going through the motions. Um, and and Neymar's shocking penalty miss possibly slightly summed that up. Um, they did enough to win the game. They were quite comfortable, I suppose, on the night in the end. But, you know, I think in a way it was kind of a reflection of their season, just not quite enough from them and, and not really the sense that they were going to win the league um, on Sunday night. It's, I mean, it's been, I suppose, it's impossible to to look at it any other way. It's been a disappointing season for PSG because they've not won the league. And I know that Robbie would say, oh, but they were in the fight until the final day. They got to the semi-finals of the Champions League. But this is a club which expects to win the league every season wants to win the Champions League and so when it doesn't win either of these competitions you have to say it's been it's been a, a, a failure of a season for them there's no other way of looking at it and um, that's ultimately with, with the budget they've got with the players they've got of course they should be winning the league I think it's great for, for, for certainly from a neutral perspective that another team sometimes wins the league of course it is but I think if you're PSG you have to think well you know we've let ourselves down this season by not doing it in the really big games I mean ultimately They've lost it because they um, didn't score a goal in two games against Lille. Because in in the six matches against uh, Lille, Lyon and Monaco, they won one of them uh, over the course of the season. They also lost at home to Marseille. So they didn't deliver in the big games. And ultimately, the game on Sunday night, it it wasn't about that. You know, that was uh, too little, too late from them. Robbie, what we've seen this season is that PSG have domestic competition. They have they have competition now in this league. Yes, it's it has been a, a disappointing season. I think it's their lowest points tally in the in the Qatari era. But you know, ultimately, I I, I think it has to be seen as as a positive that that Lyon are strong, that Lille are strong, that Monaco are strong, and you know that Paris Saint Germain are going to have to to stay on their metal domestically if they're going to get their title back. Absolutely, it's the second lowest title in the in the Qatari era after that first year 79 points they were level with that before the last game um but yeah look it has been a disappointing uh league on campaign disappointment there was well disappointing yes it was a disappointing league on campaign there was disappointment in the Champions League but I don't think you can say the Champions League campaign was disappointing it was there were some fantastic moments and to reach the semi-finals of the Champions League means that you are almost there, as uh, as Paris showed in the in in throughout the campaign. They won the Coupe de France, still the 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 French Super Cup as well. But yes, the Ligue 1. I think if you if you look, Andy mentioning the results against the the other sides in the top four, but they dropped points against Marseille, against Rennes, and Lens as well. So it's actually that they failed to register maximum points against any of the top eight uh, in the division. Um, and that's yeah, that is where 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 they lost it. We t- spoke at the start of the campaign, and I defended tooth and nail the the reasons for a, a slow start to the campaign. There was also uh, a very engaging and a very demanding European campaign, which I I think meant Paris took their eye off the ball. 
in Ligue 1 um, occasionally towards in that run-in towards Christmas where they had to win those last three games to even qualify from their group, which they did. And then again in the, the, the last 16, the quarterfinals and the semifinals, which in the end proved costly in Ligue 1. Yes, there is disappointment in not winning Ligue 1. Yes, they have the biggest budget, but this happens. This happens to, to Juventus in Italy as well. Um, it happens in England uh, last season where Manchester City were, were nowhere. Now City have returned. Atletico knock off Real, even though Atletico are a, a big club nowadays as well. But look, it's, it's, it should be celebrated. It's a fantastic result for French football that it is, as Matt says, that if Paris do take their eye off the ball, there are sides there, there are clubs there now that are, that are prepared and in position to take full advantage of that. That's what they've done. Look, there is, there is massive disappointment. The change of coach as well, they're... You know, there were several elements, several factors to why there is disappointment in this Ligue 1 result. And yes, logically, Paris Saint-Germain should be champions every every season. But thank goodness, logic does not always rule everything about sport because otherwise it would be very, very boring. And uh, fantastic that Lille are champions. Disappointment for Paris Saint-Germain. We move on. Bring on next season and see what happens. Well, the last time Paris Saint-Germain uh, didn't win the league title, they went out and spent 400 million euros on Mbappe and Neymar. And we heard Nasser Al-Khalifi, the, uh, the club president, saying that PSG will be ambitious this summer, um, including in financial terms. So watch this space. It's going to be a, a big summer for Paris Saint-Germain. We're going to move into, into part two of the podcast. But before that, we're going to bring you this week's Deja Vu. So here we go. This was the clue last week for our Deja Vu. I played with Riyad Mahrez long before either of us hit the big time during my two-year spell on the Normandy coast. I had one Ligue 1 season with my only top flight team in France before fighting tooth and claw for promotion to the Premier League. My first name might suggest Italian heritage, but I'm actually of Moroccan descent. Now, many of you uh, wrote in... (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry, I think I was shouting too much in Lille yesterday. Um, Your many true of you colours in... <laughs> being revealed, Matty. <laughs> well, no, it was, ju- it was just quite loud. Um, so the answer was Roman Sais. Uh, ah. d- yeah, difficult. Very, very difficult. But our listeners are very, very clever. And uh, among those who have emailed in or got in contact uh, with the hashtag Le Bourgeois, Habib Bar. Congratulations, Habib. Uh, Gilin Robert or Gislain Roberts, um, James Cathy, Adam Cyrilnik, Artie from Connect- Connecticut, <laughs> sorry, um, Pedreg, who says it's pronounced Podrig, so sorry, Podrig, uh, Podrig <laughs> McCloskey. <laughs> it's been a long season, guys. Read the whole sentence before you start talking, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Kev Sherwood, Ryan Yowell in Kansas City, and Gabriel Haganeda. <laughs> well done, guys. Congratulations. Um, Roman been... Saïs was a fantastic player at Angers. I, 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 I really admired him. And I think for a time when he was leaving Angers, wasn't he uh, linked very strongly with Barcelona? Does anyone else remember Oof. that? Transfer Not runner? sure. Not sure. But quite an underrated player. And he's certainly done well in the Premier League with Wolves. And um, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you to the executive producer, Ian Holyman, for coming up with these conundrums on a weekly basis. Um so many so many uh yeah so many big names from the past it's been a lot of fun digging them up and thank you for for getting in touch you can always email us on le bourgeois uh using our email address league one podcast at gmail.com and many of you have done that uh, to join in uh with our end of season awards we're going to be looking at those awards um in just a moment but i'll give you a quick reminder um just in case you're not aware of what happened uh, on the final day and what it meant in terms of the league standing. So we know that Lille are the champions. They finished a point above uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Those two teams into the Champions League. They will be joined by Monaco. Monaco, who have pipped Lyon. They drew nil-nil with Lens, while Lyon lost 3-2 at home against Nice. So a big, big setback for Lyon, who had the chance to move into the top three, but uh, missed that chance. Um, Monaco could go directly into the group stage of the Champions League if... Manchester United win the Europa League. Otherwise, they will have to go through qualifiers. Marseille are in the Europa League along with Lyon. Marseille drew 1-1 away to Metz. Uh, Rennes are into the Europa Conference. They beat Nîmes by two goals to nil. And because Lens could only draw uh, with Monaco, Lens miss out. At the bottom, it was absolutely thrilling. Brest thought they were going to finish 18th. 
Um, we know, by the way, that Dijon and Nîmes are automatically relegated. We were playing to see who would finish 18th and have to play a playoff this Sunday against Toulouse. Um, but Brest survived because Nantes lost, having won four in a row. Antoine Comboire's team lost 2-1 um, against Montpellier. And it was very dramatic. They thought they had a penalty. It was overruled by VAR late on. So uh, Nantes have to play that playoff on Sunday against Toulouse. Um, Matt, can we have just a quick absolutely. chat? Uh, because that that is a hugely bad result for Leon. Can't can't explain, can't put into words just what a monumental failure this is for for that Leon side and for Rudy Garcia going out if he does go out, which by all he's he's announced that he won't be back next season. But they they were so desperate to get back into the Champions League. They led this game twice against a Nice side who had nothing to play for. Um, what happened? What happened in that in that match? Is it the same thing that's been happening all season with inconsistencies? I mean, it was Memphis Depay's last game. He said in the press that he wanted to leave Leon in the Champions League, that Leon were a great club. They deserved that. That was to be his parting gift. I mean, on so many levels, that is just a, a it's a terrible, terrible result. And will it affect where Christophe Galtier goes, for example? Well, I think, Robbie, you're saying what happened. And I think you, you, you touched on it there. And Memphis Depay said this is kind of like the story of our season, what's happened today. They've just been inconsistent. Uh, the defence... Was was not up to it, Andy. Against, uh, mm-hmm. but I mean, Monaco, Monaco nice, you know, let opened and, the door. And, and Monaco said, "Here you go." Monaco said, "Champions League football is yours." By not getting the result they needed either. I mean, it's 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 criminal. Oof. And that's a bit. That's Andy, a big, um, Yeah. No, I mean, do 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 you think they need a big a big revamp? Because uh, Anthony Lopez has had a poor season in goal, but yeah. Probably he needs he he needs to be kept on. But you know we're we're talking about Memphis Depay losing, so there's an attack to rebuild. We're talking about a defence that hasn't been stable enough. It's it's a big summer, isn't it? Yeah, I mean I mean Depay is, it has it has been their best player, and and obviously um, replacing him has to be the priority now. I think um, you, you look at their midfield, and even if they lose Usama Awar, which is perhaps less certain than than it was. Um, that it seemed to be at the beginning of, of the season that's just finished because um, you know he's not actually had a great season, but um, they do need to obviously to, to raise funds. So perhaps Awar will be on his way, but nonetheless he he will leave behind plenty of quality in the middle of the park. I think Lucas Paquetas had a, a pretty good first season in French football, but um, the defence one or two question marks about. But I think yeah the main issues are perhaps in goal. I would agree that Anthony Lopez has not had a good season. Um, and m- replacing Memphis Depay up front. I mean, I, I think you could probably um, spin it both ways. I think uh, Leon being in the Europa League is a competition that they can um, hope to do very well in. Um, it's a slightly streamlined competition next season in a way, which perhaps makes it more attractive for the bigger clubs because there are fewer teams from outside the um, the leading European leagues involved in it. So it's a competition they want to do well in and uh, at least they'll be back in Europe next season, unlike this season. Um, but of course, it's not been good enough. I think ultimately you could also say that somebody had to miss out on Champions League qualification out of the top four. And, and in the end, it was them. And they pay the price for some very disappointing home results, actually, in the second half of the season. And in a way, that was summed up, of course, by losing home to Nice on the final day. But it wasn't just that. It was teams like Metz and Montpellier who came to Lyon and won this season um, in, in the league. So, you know, they've not quite been good enough, but they just have to to try and build and, and look for the positives and say um, European football will be back next season and there is something to build on. There are still some excellent players there. So uh, it's not all bad. I think I think Robbie using the word criminal, I think is uh, it's a bit unfair. I was I was trying to look for a translation of foot professionnel, <laughs> but I just couldn't I couldn't come up with it. That's another Frenchism. I don't know, Andy, because, you know, you talk to Leon's supporters. I mean, they're absolutely fuming. It's, uh, you know, they didn't qualify for Europe at all last season. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, this season, no Champions League football. And you look at the quality they've got in that squad. You look at the the budget. There was a chance to win the league title this season. They've not only failed, you know, on that level, but but they failed to qualify for the the Champions League. We're going to get, move on a bit because we've got our end-of-season awards to go through as well. But I do want to ask you all very quickly about Nantes. What do you think? You know, they, they were in terrific form going into that game against Montpellier, but they couldn't make it five wins in a row. And actually, a draw would have been good enough to um, to keep them above Brest. Um, in the end, they are going to have to play the playoff on Sunday, and it's it's going to be it's going to be nervy. Um, what do we think, fellas, uh, starting with you, Andy? 
Um, well, I think I thought they were going to get out of it because they had four wins in a row before they played uh, Montpellier on the last day. Um, and, you know, you would look at all the teams. I mean, I think had somebody else dropped into the playoff position, you might have thought that they um, they would then go and, you know, Brest, for example, have had a terrible second half of the season. And had they dropped in there, having not really been in the bottom three at all this season, you would have thought they might struggle in the playoff. Whereas you'd think that Nantes uh, might have what it takes to come through. Uh, I'm not 100% sure about that because Toulouse, who they will play, are an ambitious club. Obviously, they're determined to get back into the top division after just a year away. Um, and uh, for those who don't know, they were bought out by a US investment fund uh, last summer. That's quite um, popular these days, not just in France, but around European football. More and more of these American investment funds buying into European clubs. And it happened at Toulouse. And uh, they brought in Damien Comoli, who's obviously a well-known figure, not just in France, but in English football, to be um, to be the president, um, to over, oversee the rebuilding job there. And, and they've got a lot of good young players and um, some interesting players have come in from different countries around Europe and uh, and they'll hope to to win that tie and come back up to the top flight. So I think that could be tricky for not. Um, I mean, they're, they're a, a big club with a great history. So in that sense, you want to see them in the top division. But uh I wouldn't be so sure about this playoff. Antoine Comboire, uh, if I'm not mistaken, did uh, win the relegation playoff when he was the Dijon coach a couple of years ago. Um, so maybe he's he's got the knack in these games, but I uh, wouldn't be 100% confident if I was a not supporter. Yeah, I think uh, Comboire does have runs on the board when it comes to, to this sort of situation. I think Pascal Garand is the coach down in Toulouse these days as well, and he's a a coach that knows how to to get a result and scramble. In terms of the dynamic, Andy, I would have thought Toulouse were, well, Toulouse were always in the top two almost all season. Everyone thought it was them and and Trois that were going to come up automatically. And then in the the second to last game of the season, they they failed to get the win that everyone thought they would get. And they dropped back out and suddenly Clermont were, were the side coming up for their first ever Ligue 1 season next term. Um, who are another side, another club who have been bought out by foreign investors. I think it's Swiss uh, investors in mm-hmm. Clermont, and uh, who are who are also an ambitious club now, who have never been in the in the top flight before. But uh, that I th- I would have thought that could have knocked Toulouse around quite a lot. They showed um, with a good win over Grenoble that that it, that it hadn't. Um, in terms of the project, I agree with Andy. I think probably Toulouse are, are the more dynamic um, club going forward, but. Toulouse, if you look at it from a traditionalist's uh, point of view, non to the bigger club, non to the the ones with history in Ligue 1, with with a, a, a bigger following, with a with with more going for them. But uh, the, in terms of the project, uh, Toulouse's project is far more exciting, and and probably, I said two weeks ago on the podcast that Ligue 1 with a strong Nantes is a stronger Ligue 1, but Ligue 1 with a a, a poor Nantes going nowhere. Is, uh, is better probably with a Toulouse that's going places. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But uh, it is time for our end of season uh, awards. And we're going to go through the, the categories that producer Ian has, uh, has dealt for us, starting with player of the season. Um, it's the big one. First up, Kylian Mbappe got the uh, UNFP um, award for, for player of the season in France. Um, a few entries we've had from our from our listeners. Uh, Romuald Frenchy from Detroit has gone with Gail Kakuta, who's done very well with a small team, as uh, as Romuald points out. James Cathy uh, says Benjamin Andre. He says uh, without Benjamin Andre, I'm sure Lille would not have won the league title. And Gilan Robert has gone for uh, for an interesting shout. Yusuf Yazici, another another Lille player who we haven't talked about so much. Um, he's been a bit in and out of the team in the second half of the season, but he's uh, made some big contributions as well. Um, Andy Scott, player of the season. Borak Yilmaz, um, I mentioned earlier on, I think probably gets it for me because he's been the one who's, who's really struck me this season. And obviously, he's played a, a very important role in the team that's won the league. Um, Kylian Mbappe um, probably is the best player in the division and has had a very good season. In fact, he's had his best season uh, statistically, in terms of goals scored, I think 42 in the mm-hmm. end in all competitions. So, uh, you know, between the two of them, I think I give it to Borat Yilmaz because Lille won the league and I think Mbappe um, will, I'm sure, win more Player of the Year awards in the years to come. But th- if I can mention one other player who's kind of stood out to me this season, uh, it would be uh, Gaëtan Laborde at Montpellier because I think he's uh, really surprised me. He's had a very good season. I think 16, 17 goals in the end. 16, um, yeah. Brilliant- 16, yeah. He scored a brilliant goal against PSG in the Cup uh, a couple of weeks ago. 
and is one who has been linked to the English Premier League in in the recent past, in the January window. There was talk of a move to West Ham, which didn't transpire, but I think he might be one who is on his way to uh, to the Premier League before long. So um, I, I, an honourable mention to him, but Burak Yilmaz gets the, the player of the year for me. Robbie, is, uh, I, I look... Hats off, Andy Scott. I think you've you've hit a lot of nails on heads. There's for me. There's no <laughs> doubt the the best player in Ligue 1. Um, and let's not forget this is a vote by the footballers who vote, and so they play against everyone else in the league, and they choose who is the best footballer in Ligue 1. Um, for me, it's Kylian Mbappe, and I think uh, it's deservedly the case. He's top scorer for the third year in a row. He's consistent. He was consistently good this season. Um, even when Paris weren't, he was finding the back of the net. So no arguments from me about, about Kylian Mbappe being the best player. I don't think Burak Yilmaz is the best player in Ligue 1, but I think he had a fantastic season and I think he was very, very important for, for that Lille side. But I think, again, that's what, that's what sums up this Lille side. I don't think Jose Font is the best defender in Ligue 1, but I think he was absolutely crucial. Um, Sven Botman maybe could become the best defender and, and certainly wouldn't be far off. Benjamin Andre is not the best player in Ligue 1, but, but take him out of that Lille side and perhaps Lille wouldn't have been champion. Take any element out of that side, Mike Mignon, and perhaps they wouldn't have been champions. So, so uh, in terms of a pure, who is the best player? I go, I go Kylian Mbappe. And I like the Andy, um, the Gaetan Laborde call as well because he, he really did have a fantastic season and I said it a few weeks ago on the pod, but I think um, Gaetan Laborde should stay at Montpellier. Stay there. You're, you're doing wonders. Everything fits perfectly for you there. Um, enjoy your football there where you're, you're, you're doing great things. Listen, for once, I'm going to agree with Robbie. For me, Kylian Mbappe um, has been the best player in Ligue 1 this season. I think um, in the last few months in particular, he's just been phenomenal. And, and it's not just been the goal scoring. It's been, it's been his attitudes and the way that he's sort of carried PSG you know I, I just felt in the last few weeks he was thinking goodness me we might not win the league title here and he was just giving absolutely everything to uh, ensure that, that that PSG did win the title unfortunately for him Lille um, got got too many points in the end but Mbappe has been Matt, yep <laughs> just on that I just I just wanted to to, to bring this up actually because it's, it's, it's in a way it's hard to talk about killing Mbappe without mentioning Neymar and and Robbie touched on the the player of the year award voted for by the other players. It did strike me that Neymar was was nominated in the first place for that for that prize because uh, I mean we all know that he's a great player and he's he is the most expensive player in the world in a way he should be the best player in league and even in front of Mbappe if not then alongside him. But actually Neymar has not had a great season. Nine goals uh, in the league, five of which were penalties, and obviously he missed that penalty on Sunday night and. Um, I think, yeah, I think know, he's maybe, missed maybe two penalties be- this season. I think he missed one against Saint-Étienne, was it? Or he mi- he definitely missed a second penalty this season as well. Well, there you go, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, maybe I'm being unfair, but, you know, um, we're talking about the players who have been the best in the league this season. But I, I just thought that Neymar should have done better. I think he's had a, a very disappointing season in the league. I think you're right, Andy, but I, I think as well it's interesting that so many players vote for him because he was in the in the team of the season at UNFP, and I think you know you you you, you hear players, defenders, league um, defenders talking. They're they're all a little bit in awe of Neymar, you know his skills, and uh, he is 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 very special. But you're you know you're right. I think I think standards. he gets a He's bit of a bum a rap. To be fair, guys, I I think if we do that. It's hard to live up to just how much expectation there is for Neymar. And and yes, he should have perhaps more of an influence or the argument is justifiable that he, he should do more in this PSG side. He should help dominate more um, Ligue 1 when he plays. But, but for opposition players against him, the fact that you can never tackle him and can't get the ball off him, that you've, you foul him every time, that he is so fast that his touch is so good. They're the things that when you're playing against him, you see. And and look, it can't just be coincidence that every year he's named in the, the team of the year and that every year he's he's nominated for player of the year because the other players see that perhaps what a journalist sees as not having enough influence or fading out of games or injured and missing matches. For the players on the pitch, they see undeniably one of the best players in the world, not just in Ligue 1. Fair enough. Fair enough. If I could just finish what I was saying before before Andy <laughs> jumped in, um, I think you know, yeah, Mbappe phenomenal. 
But I think in many ways, you know, a PSG player getting the player of the season award, it highlights even more what a, what a sort of team effort it was from Lille. Because mm-hmm. yes, you could, you could, part of me was thinking, yeah, it's Burak Yilmaz, but it's not for me because Mbappe has just scored so many goals and he's been so good throughout the season. Um, but yeah, Lille, Lille brilliant throughout. So uh, second category coach of the season and this one, you know, from our listeners as well, hasn't provoked as much debate because um, everyone's going Christophe Galtier. Uh, Gilain Robert has uh, said, I would certainly vouch for, for Galtier. He's been super efficient um, since Saint-Étienne. He's taken Lille to another dimension. And, uh, and also, he's a good man who takes responsibility for his actions and his heart seems to be in the right place. He's the coach I would dream for, for Strasbourg, but surely he belongs to a Champions League bench. Um, James Cathy also went for, for Christophe Galtier. Uh, Gilles Robert, um, by the way, obviously a Strasbourg fan. We should let you know that Thierry Laurie has confirmed today that he is stepping down. So perhaps Strasbourg should throw their hat into the ring to try to get Galtier. I think they'll struggle. Um, Andy, coach of the season for you? <laughs> Christophe Galtier. Simple as Fair that. Enough. I mean, Fair enough. I mean, I mean you know, no one else we, has ever uh, mentioned? Or... Um, <laughs> Niko Kovac uh, well, is in the I, argument. I, I, I think, think, yeah. Uh, Nico Kovac is in the argument, and I think um, he, he has that. I was thinking that when we were talking about Leon before, that you know, in a way, he's um, he's perhaps shown the value of a good manager because uh, you know, Rudy Garcia obviously has has got a lot of criticism at Leon this season, but Nico Kovac has done a great job. I think also um, not far away from Christophe Galtier in Lille, I think uh, Franck Ez at Lens has done very well, hasn't he? Because mm-hmm. um, this was his first uh, full season in charge of Lens. They came up in slightly fortunate circumstances last year. They would they just scraped into the automatic promotion places when the season was was uh, ended early so in a way they were you know maybe not best um suited to playing in league on this season but he's done a fabulous job i mean they just missed out on european qualification so he he is certainly worthy of an honorary mention and i will also mention stefan moulin because he's done uh, 10 great years at angers and uh, now he's on his way yeah i think it's been a really difficult season for for coaches i think uh, there's been a a spotlight on them more perhaps than in previous years with the the whole COVID thing and the maybe the fact that you could make five changes. We expected more from coaches. I think we've got coaches that were, were sacked and other coaches that had to come in and they weren't necessarily coaches that, that people went looking for. I'm thinking at, at Nîmes where you had Arpignon, Arpignon and, then, and then Plonk who sort of were were plonked in there, if you like, and, and had to react, had to, had to do a job. Adrian Ursia at Nice that that had to do a job. Um, Kombuare, who's had to do a job at, at Nantes as well. It seems to, uh, I, I won't say Mauricio Pochettino, because I think there, there was a, a, a solid choice in to go and find someone to replace Thomas Tuchel and, and Pochettino will be um, measured on what he achieves next season, I think. But uh, not an easy season for coaching staff. And in that regard, I, I think Christophe Galtier has to be coach of the year. I don't dispute that one little bit, but I think he's pushed very hard by by Nico Kovac, and if there's anything, because I think there are, there are many similarities as well. Kovac is new to the job, but it was again there were changes in that Monaco squad. He had he had a new playing roster as well as a new job and new new assistant staff that he brought in. It took him a while, and I, what I liked about what Nico Kovac did is that there were problems at the start. You could see it wasn't working. His message wasn't getting across. They were conceding goals. They were inconsistent. And you saw the progression, the improvement. And that, I think, over perhaps two and a half seasons is what we've seen from Galtier, what we saw in just this one season of, of Nico Kovac. And I'd go, what gets Galtier really across the line is just that human element where, where Kovac came with ideas and is very uh, rigorous in imposing what he wants. And I think Galtier, honestly, has a fantastic relationship with his players. I think he understands footballers. I think Kovac does. But Kovac demands, like a like a drill sergeant, what he wants. I think Galtier, there's there's a little bit more subtlety in the way he manages things, a little bit more experience, perhaps, and that's why Lil, as again, another reason why Lil won the title. Very well put, Robbie. I I agree wholeheartedly with all of that. Um, goal of the season. This one's tough because there have been so many amazing goals, but perhaps not one that sort of is head and shoulders better than everything else. James Cathy um, particularly liked Armand Loriente for uh, for Lorient against Nantes, that unbelievable Janino-esque free kick. Um, 
Andy, I, I, I always put you on the spot first, so yeah. I'll, I'll keep that going. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I, I know that Burak Yilmaz won the, the, the goal of the season for his, um, him again, for his uh, stunning strike against uh, Lens a few weeks ago, and, and it's hard to argue with that. I think a couple of ones that are always worth a mention, um, Irvin Cardona for Brest uh, earlier in the season with that bizarre, I'm not even sure how to describe it, sort of uh, took off off the ground and met uh, a cross in from, from the wing on the volley with both feet off the ground, which was spectacular. And speaking of spectacular, I think um, I, I will mention Kylian Mbappe because uh, it is true that when you're in the stadium watching Mbappe running at full pace, it is electric. It's quite something to see. And uh, the goal he scored in Marseille in February when um, when it was on the breakaway, I think it was from Marseille corner, and Mbappe just sprinted about three quarters of the length of the field and latched on Tanquil Di Maria's pass and scored. That was uh, pretty breathtaking, I would say. So um, it depends what kind of goal you're, you're, you're interested in, I suppose. If you like a ferocious hit, then it's hard to argue with Burak Yilmaz. If you, um, if you like something else, then why not Mbappe? I, I don't have a, a, a team goal uh, that comes to mind immediately. Perhaps Robbie has, has um, won in that category. But um, certainly, once again, we're talking about Burak Yilmaz and Kylian Mbappe for me. I'm trying desperately to find the, from our, our sound engineer, Stephen, gave me how he described um, Irvin Cardona's upright scissor kick, which was some sort of martial arts jackknife kick or something. I can't, I can't, can't think of it. I'm just looking through past messages trying to find it, the term. But anyway, that will we'll have to bring it uh, at the start of next season. That was a great goal. Didn't Andy Delore score a fantastic scissor kick um, yes, just before yes. Christmas for Lille in a big match as well? Lille Leon was it for Montpellier? Yeah. Oh, for sorry, Montpellier, Montpellier against, 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 against Lille. Lille. Yeah, yes, and that, that's right. That was an unbelievable game, actually. Yeah. And it, um, Lille, won, Lille won it 3-2 with a late goal. And then in the last second, Menon pushed a, a free kick onto the post. It was it was yeah, dramatic. But absolutely. That, yeah, that, that goal was a fantastic goal. Um, Gaetan Laborde also got a bicycle kick um, recently as well when I was commentating. But I was commentating that uh, Lille versus Lance match. And I will, I will unashamedly say Burak Yilmaz's strike on his left foot is he left-footed because it was 30 yards out it went like an absolute rocket he takes all his penalties right-footed um into the top corner there was no chance for for Jean-Louis Leca um and it came out of nothing it was really just a and it was in a, a crucial match in the derby um it has all the ingredients for for a screamer it was a screamer and screamers win goal competitions win prizes like goal of the year so for me uh Hands down, Burak Yilmaz. Yeah, it was one of those moments as well when, uh, you know, I'm sure the people around him, the players around him thought, wow, we, you know, we are going to win the title. When you've got a player like that pinging them in uh, left-footed from, from from 30 yards, and that takes me on to to, to moment of the season. Uh, James Cathy has gone for another Burak Yilmaz moment, the winner um, against Lyon at the Group Armour Stadium. Lyon were 2-0 down. And uh, Burak racing through, he'd already scored one and made another, and then he, he scored his second. And uh, yeah, an, an, an incredible moment. Um, what do we think? Any other moments that uh, you can think of? I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what Gilan Robert as well said, another listener who wrote in. He's, he said, it's, it's too difficult to find one moment. The season has been so rich. Um, to me, the entire season will be remembered um, by the number of goals scored, which is likely to be the highest since 1983. Um, that was, I think, Gilan wrote in just before the last game of the season. So we'll update those stats. But it has been prolific. Andy, do you have a, a favourite moment this season? Um, well, I'd, I'd, I'd agree, to be honest, with um, with the, the Lyon-Lille game. You know, just that whole match in general was was incredible. And I mean, also the, the, the Monaco-Lyon uh, game a week after, which I commentated at a pretty amazing finish to it. And in terms of, when you're commentating a game, sort of getting up off your seat and being really taken aback by it and, and letting the emotion um, carry you. You know, the, the end of that game was really quite memorable with Leon getting that winning goal and, and that feeling of there being a real rivalry between these two clubs in the fight for third place and the fact that Leon were the ones celebrating only to be in the end denied by Monaco on the final day. And, and, and maybe there's a bit of recency bias, but, you know, when you ask me now what moment really... Um, strikes me looking back over the season it is hard to look beyond that I think what about for, you what about yeah, you Rob? For, for me um and look listeners and you guys will know that I'm not a big one for these moments of the season type thing for me you can have a a fantastic moment 
at any point in any football match. And that's what's so beautiful about about this sport. I think of of Di Maria's control for Julian Draxler's goal in the last minute against Mess, which gave Paris their first win of the season. The control was just outrageous. It was a superb moment of football. Um, seeing Hatem Ben Arfa put Thiago Mendes or Cheka, I think, wow, one of the two on their rear end. I think it was Cheka for Lille um, with a dribble that was just outrageously superb. Um, moments like that are fantastic moments. If I have to say one where I think the season changed or a, a season changing moment, it would be um, Jonathan David's goal at the Parc des Princes against Paris because it, it summed up it's, for me, it encapsulated so many things about this Ligue 1 season and why Lille won it. Um, and you'll say, I'll, I'll use the word unlucky for Paris, just because I think it was a very unlucky as well as disappointing season for Paris Saint-Germain. There you go, it's said. But that goal, he was injured just moments beforehand by a bad tackle by, by Ghana. He stayed on his feet. He kept his mouth shut. He didn't complain. He got up. He kept playing. He made the run. Um, he took advantage of a lapse in concentration in the Paris defence. The shot was deflected and, and went in. And for me, that, that, that moment was where Lille actually said, this is us. The week earlier or, or 10 days earlier, they'd lost top spot in the league. They came back and they won it back immediately with a big result at the park where they were outplayed. They were dominated in terms of possession and shots. But that moment summed up because David went off uh, about three minutes later as well, succumbing to the injury, but he got the goal and, and things were going Lil's way. I, I have a, a definite clear moment. My moment is when the full-time whistle blew um, in Lyon, in that Lyon-Lyon game, an incredible game, and when Christophe Galtier did his roly-poly. That was unbelievable, you know. Um, he, he was sort of on his head, using his neck muscles to push those legs into the air. And I, I haven't seen anything like that since um, the most magical Arsenal moment in history when Michael Thomas scored at Anfield in 1989. It reminded me of that. Um, and yeah, in terms of um, emotions, in terms of uh, just seeing something out of the ordinary, seeing Christophe Galtier expressing himself <laughs> upside down like that was unbelievable. That was my favourite moment. Last category, guys. Surprise of the season. Um, just to let you know, our listeners, we've had three emails in, all going for the same team. James Cathy, Gilan Robert and Frenchie from Detroit. They're all saying Lens have been the surprise of the season. Andy, are they your biggest surprise as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for the reasons that I, I touched on earlier when mentioning Franck Ez, you know, a team who, who were possibly um, only, you know, very lucky to come up in the circumstances in which they did. And um, they'd had a couple of bad experiences in the top division in the last decade. And this time they were very unlucky not to qualify for Europe. They've had some great results, of course, uh, beating PSG right at, right back at the beginning of the season was, was one of them. So I'd agree, it's very hard to look beyond them. I think they've been um, a real credit to the division. It's just, just a shame um, that they've not been able to play in front of a full stadium because that ground, when it's full, is uh, is 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 really quite quite some, some quite a place to watch uh, watch football. Hopefully, next season we will see the uh, Stad Felix Ballet full to bursting, or at least with some supporters in. Uh, Robbie, your surprise of the season? Yeah, so, well, Lens, yes, definitely. I'm trying to think of of others. I can think of a couple of negative surprises. Depends what we're looking for. I think I think that Montpellier and a surprise for me is to see Michel de Zakarian side playing such a attacking, um, entertaining football. Um, that was a surprise and good to see a, a a pleasant surprise. And I I really like that Montpellier side. So look, I'll go with Lens, but with a special mention again for for the surprisingly attacking Montpellier. Who also conceded a lot of goals. I mean, that they're, they're, they're a side that was let down by their defence as well. There you go. Thanks, Robbie. I'm going to go with Lille just because it is a massive surprise. And I think anybody who topples PSG these days in Liga deserves all the plaudits. But let's let's why don't I widen it a bit and say I'm going to go for the for the for the north of France, Lille and Lens. <laughs> toast a toast to Lille and Lens who've had fantastic seasons. And um, yeah, we've really enjoyed it. We've really enjoyed bringing you. Uh, our, our weekly podcast and we do hope you've enjoyed them as well please um, take a moment if you can to to rate us on uh, on the different podcast platforms um, talk to your friends tell them you've heard about this uh, terrific podcast on French football next season is going to be even better I'm sure about that 
Um, but the bar has been set high this year. I want to thank um, <clears throat> Robbie Thompson for for surrendering PSG's title with with good grace. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, uh, Andy. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Spread the word and we'll be back. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Andy. Um, that's no it. Worries. That's it from uh, from from me, Matt Spiro. Also, that's also it from... to, our, to our colleagues who aren't here on the pod today yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and the no, special you're right. guests we've had as well throughout the year. That's Yeah, no, that is what Christophe Galtier would have done. He would have thought collective. <laughs> you're right. Um, Ian Holyman, the producer. Thank you, Ian, for your diligent work. Thank you, Stephen Willis, our sound engineer. Armel Tangi regular regular contributor he'll be back uh, next season i'm sure david crossan of course david who's filled in the hot seat he's brought us as well some some fantastic poetry and uh, we've enjoyed his commentary and his analysis so thank you everybody thanks for listening to us we will be back next season and uh, yeah until then enjoy the euros have a great summer we'll see you again soon all the best bye bye Beautifully done! Sensational!